Welcome to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. I'm your host, Megan McCorkle. This podcast series features conversations with leaders and innovators having a positive impact in our city. Let's get started. Your journey starts here. From artist to educator, poet to musician, Shania Wright is a community connector in the Baltimore art scene. On this episode of the Free to Be More podcast, she talks about her passion for this city and what gives her hope for the future. Shania Wright, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored. Yes. So for people who are not familiar with you and your work, I just want to give you the opportunity to really introduce yourself. Um, Shinyir, the director and founder of the Baltimore Scene, which is a grassroots movement designed to unite, serve, love, connect, support, promote, and affirm Baltimore's um, artistic activism and entrepreneurial scene. Mm-hmm. I love Baltimore. I'm a creative, multidisciplinary creative. That's all for now. <laughs> I'm a yeah. musician, a poet. <laughs> I going to say, I feel like you touch every little section of the arts, certainly, with all of the work that you do. <laughs> Talk to me about how the Baltimore scene came about. How long have you been doing this? And exactly what is it? Well, it was established in 2006. And so being that I was involved and I love so many different arts, I was in the poetry scene, the hip-hop scene, the live music scene, and all these different scenes. and when I would talk about different people in these various scenes, they wouldn't know each other. So it just like kind of surprised me that in such a small city, such instrumental, no pun intended, people didn't mm-hmm. know each other. So I, I just wanted to connect. So it started from a simple slideshow, like where I would just take pictures and say who they were. This was in MySpace days. And um. <laughs> like showcase all the different people in all the scenes to kind of get to know each other. And then came the Baltimore Crown Awards, which was basically giving people their crowns, aka their roses, flowers now while we can, and highlighting the best in Baltimore. And uh, the Baltimore Crown Awards, the event itself, was an extension of the original idea. So it brought all these different people who are not normally in the same room in the same room so we could all know and celebrate each other. Because I feel like Baltimore is often associated with negativity when you leave here. Like they just associate it with the wire and violence and so forth. But I just know that there's so much talent, so much good, so much genius. And I just wanted to affirm and celebrate that and put some light on that. Yeah, it's pretty wild to think 2006 is now like almost two decades ago. How much has the Baltimore scene grown since you first started it? Ooh. Well, the event itself, due to Baltimore, at first it was mainly focused primarily on the arts and activists. And it's, or even, it didn't even include all of the arts. It was mainly like musicians, producers, poets, rappers. Where now it includes like makeup artists, like just expanding what it means to be an artist. Like everything at the end of the day is an art form if you treat it as such. So it like includes, you know, the fashion designers, the graffiti artists, mm-hmm. medians, and everything that you could think of. So it kind of just 
stretched out the definition of it. Have you seen collaborations sort of come from those connections that you're making with people who maybe would have never met each other if it weren't for the Baltimore scene? Yes, definitely. I hear that all the time. We do a a segment of the show where we um, showcase producers. I don't think producers are showcased as much as they need to be. They're like a strong part of our scene, an unrecognized part of so a lot of artists meet those producers and I've heard from the producers like right after that night a stranger came up to them and bought their beat and they collabed on songs you know you hear stories like that all the time with all the different arts Mm -hmm. that's amazing you talked a little bit about Baltimore how did you wind up in Baltimore were you born here or how did you become a Baltimorean um I went on well I'm Jamaican born in England raised in Jersey And we went on a field trip to HBCUs. So we went to Washington, D.C., up to Howard University, Hampton, A&T, Norfolk, Virginia Union, and Morgan, which is one of the many schools that we went to. I think I was like 15 or 16 years old. And as soon as I like came off the bus, I don't know, I had this really spiritual experience. And I just like, this place, I need to be here. And at the time, I couldn't afford to go to Morgan, so I went to started school in Newark. And then life just uh, <laughs> winded me back to Baltimore and Morgan. So I graduated from Morgan, and I just really feel a strong spiritual connection and responsibility to the city that's hard for me to even rationally explain. <laughs> I guess when you know, you know, sometimes, right? You have that feeling. <laughs> you know, I love it. I love it first sight type of thing. So when I, I found myself in D.C. before I moved here, I met Navasha from Fertile Ground. Mm-hmm. And she told me about a sisterhood that was in Baltimore. So I would travel back and forth to go to these sisterhood networking events. Then I met a whole bunch of positive people here. And that just reaffirmed my original thought. And I just came here, been here ever since. Mm -hmm. You sort of touch every part of the arts from an artist, a poet, a musician. Um, Growing up, were the arts a big part of your life? Did you always know that you wanted to sort of make this, it was always your life's calling? Yes. Both of my parents are artists. Um, My father is a musician, songwriter, and a poet. And my mother, a visual artist and fashion designer. So I definitely grew up in the arts and they were both activists as well and entrepreneurs as well. So literally everything that I do with the Baltimore scene is inspired and dedicated to them. So I grew up all the way in it from birth. Always knew it. I can't remember a time not knowing that. Mm-hmm. There are people potentially listening to this podcast who've never been to Baltimore, aren't familiar with the Baltimore art scene. What would you want people to know about the Baltimore art scene who maybe have never traveled here and haven't experienced it? I would say, you know, I was born abroad. I've been to a lot of countries and I can honestly objectively say like this is my favorite place that I've been. I feel like there's so much genius in uh, the art scene and in the people itself. Like Baltimore is raw authenticity, transparent, vulnerable art at its finest. And I say that hashtag this is Baltimore, like not all the <laughs> all the stuff that's only focused on. There's so much more. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of opportunity as well. I know one of your passions is really exposing children and youth in Baltimore to the arts. What are some of the ways you're working to do that, to make the arts more accessible to kids here in the city? Teaching. I teach creative writing and songwriting and music and also providing opportunities like all the competitions and showcases that the youth participate in to just help them develop their crafts Mm -hmm. and all of us that have been around for these decades like taking them on as mentors like even last night I had one of my poetry children call me like at 10 o'clock reading me poems (laughs) until late in the night that kind of thing like through events but also personal mentoring relationships with the next generation of the art scene The Free to Be More podcast is a production of the Enoch Pratt Free Library. The Peer Navigators program has now expanded to seven library locations. Peer recovery coaches provide support with recovery, mental health, and more. For more details, visit prattlibrary.org. Yeah, one of the organizations you're involved with is Do More Baltimore. Tell me, for people who don't know about Do More, what is that and how is it impacting kids in our city? Do More Baltimore is a way to connect the arts and activism, empowering youth to use their voice for social change, social action. And it's an amazing organization. I love it to death. I've been... (laughs) I run several Do More programs, and I'm one of the writing coaches for the Do More Youth Poetry Slam team. It's an amazing work. Mm -hmm. We partner with Do More quite a bit at the library, and seeing it in action is really inspiring. There are just so many talented kids in Baltimore, especially when it comes to poetry. Yeah, absolutely. And just the way they think and the solutions that they have, you mean, for the city, Mm -hmm. like as elders. Or it's funny to call ourselves elders, but <laughs> relatively than teenagers, you know, we have a lot of jewels to drop to them. But in retrospect, I mean, in, on the flip side, rather, they have so many jewels that they drop with us as well. And I just love working with them and being inspired by them and learning from them. Yeah, we definitely have a lot to learn from them as well. I think it must be so inspiring for you. I mean, your parents were mentors to you, showing you that a career in the arts is possible. In a lot of ways, how are you trying to reflect that to children here that maybe don't have those role models in their homes? I guess taking above and beyond, quote unquote, like I don't even call what I do community work or work or a job, like kind of just making a 24-hour, like, this is my life. Mm-hmm. Like, call me anytime. You know what I mean? They can, it's the all-day, every-day, open room, open-door policy. I guess that's the main thing. Just um, showing them that we're here for them to answer any questions, skill-wise, craft-wise, or personal-wise, mm-hmm. to help affirm and remind them of those things. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you've talked about is sort of this cross-section between art and activism. Why are those two things so married together for you? How much is your art and your activism kind of interwoven together? It's funny because I think art, even when you take the word activism completely out, art in and of itself is an activism. You know what I mean? It's like, it's healing. It's, I always tell my students, better out than in. Like if you... Like there's a clear connection between the physical body and the emotions. Like when you 
when you get sad, when you get that emotion, you physically, tears come out of your eyes. Mm -hmm. So if you don't let those tears fall, they kind of like gather inside your body and just ferment in there. So it's important that we use arts to heal ourselves. That's the first activism, you know, the first change of like healing yourself. So you heal yourself and then do that example of vulnerability and transparency of healing yourself. You inspire others to address those things within themselves so that they can heal themselves. And then it kind of spreads out from that. And then also some people are just not receptive to speeches or, you know I mean, being lectured about different topics. If you can use music or hip hop and poetry, people are more open to that. Yes, just a totally different way of looking at it. I also read that you host a book club called the Reading as Activism Book Club. Who's in that book club? What does it look like? What are you guys reading? Oh, I sent the email earlier. I was like, we're on a pause from that. The reading is <laughs> activism in safe space. <laughs> yeah, but we, we we were reading books by Black authors, but I'm on a pause from that. I'm about to restart that again. Oh, that's great. I mean, there's a lot of, especially great local authors of color that I'm sure are so inspiring to the young people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, speaking of authors, you are one of them. You wrote Black Fairy Tales um, back in 2018, a book of poetry. What inspired that for you? Just um, growing up in this country and knowing that all of our stories, those are personal stories, also a universal story. Like my cousin is somebody else's cousin and my neighbor is somebody else's neighbor. And again, like using poetry to kind of like heal and address and deal with those societal things. It's just like um, brings these topics up for discussion, but not only for discussion, but us brainstorming solutions to these, you mean, to the things that I address. Mm -hmm. And then I also wrote a second book recently called The C Word which is um, a memoir about going through cancer experience because both of my parents passed back to back from cancer and I got cancer right after that. So then I used that whole book to, you know I mean, to heal and do the grief and do my own experience to it. Has that book been released yet? Yes, I released it um, April of last year. Wonderful. What's been the reaction to that? Because I feel like there must be so many other people that face those same challenges. I'm honored by the response. You know I mean, people were happy that I was very honest and raw and it led to a lot of great conversation, a lot of healing. Is it difficult to open up that much and share such a, a personal side? Mm, no, <laughs> I guess because I've been doing it so much. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm kind of like wired to be vulnerable now. Mm -hmm. It is hard, like, when I'm giving a workshop, it's always hard for the students on that first, you know I mean, that first workshop. But it's like, it's like any other muscle. Like, the more you do it, then it becomes second nature. Mm -hmm. I actually am more vulnerable through writing than speaking. Sure, I would imagine. I mean, you must see students grow so much. Are there any, like, sort of success stories that you've had with some of your students where you really do see them, like, open up and blossom as an artist? Uh, I've seen people that have never written a poem a day in their lives. And after like one workshop, now they're standing in front of the class reading something. That's just amazing to see. Um, even one time I, I did a workshop in a prison 
um, a woman's prison and everybody in the circle wrote these powerful poems and then all of us were in there crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just very powerful. And I hate to use the, just the general word powerful, but it really is powerful to see what people can do when you just like poetic devices are just tools. Once you give people the tools, what they can use to heal themselves just in one single 45 minute or an hour setting mm -hmm. is miraculous. Mm. It really is admirable to see how brave people are to get up there and be able to read their art in front of people when they're really just starting out and just getting brave enough to start writing. Yeah, definitely. Yes. One of the things you're helping within the art scene too is, um, you know, the connection between art and entrepreneurship and you started the black mall. Can you tell me what that is? So the black mall is a gathering space where, so again, part of the Baltimore scene, our mission statement is to serve, love, unite, connect, support, promote artists, activists, and entrepreneurs. So that falls under that. It's a way for us to get the city together to promote these amazing Black creatives. So we have um, artists, artisans, sculptures. You'll see paintings. You'll see clothes, clothing lines, shoes, shea butter, <laughs> everything that you can think of. But it's not only only like a shopping space is also a gathering space for the community to come together like i do dancing challenges it's just a place for us to have joy and we invite everybody to come you know what i mean anyone and everyone to come to support the black creatives looking for activities toys and games for your little one the pratt children's library of things has you covered sponsored by port discovery children's museum the collection has kits of children ages newborn to eight Check them out at Central Library or have one sent to your library location. Details at prattlibrary.org. When did you guys start doing that and how many of them have you been able to hold? We started in December of 2021 and on we've done 15 of them and the 16th one will be next week. Nice. That's amazing. Have they been growing? Like, you know, 15 of them, that's a huge number. That's wonderful. Have you seen more and more artists be interested in more people coming out? Yes, yes. And the beautiful thing is one of my personal slogans for myself is business is personal. So it's been amazing just how the vendors and the people who come to the Black Mall, like the personal relationships that have been formed since, like, you know what I mean? Going to each other's houses, going out. the part That's the part that excites me the most about this work. You know what I mean? Community and village building. So yeah, I've definitely seen that on the moment of the Black Mall and then outside of the Black Mall, the relationships that build from that. Mm -hmm. It seems like for you, really sort of that mission in life is really being a connector. And you've done that in so many ways with the Baltimore scene. How important is that in the arts world, especially here in Baltimore, to be able to make those connections? I think, especially after like the COVID experience, people are so separate. And even we have social media. So it gives us this belief that everyone's connected on each other's statuses and commenting. But really, people are not coming outside and connecting on that real deal level anymore. Mm -hmm. so I just love to be a part of that experience. And when I watch it and experience it, you know what I mean, in real time and, and feel it, I know that it's, it's a necessary and healing thing that needs to happen. 
How difficult was the two years of the COVID pandemic for the art world in Baltimore for the individual artists? And are you starting to see sort of this reemergence? On one side, it was, it kind of turned the whole art space on its head. You know what I mean? Just drastically now we're not able to be in the same rooms. We're not able to, you know, have the open mics or any of that. And everything became virtual. And now we're all in little squares and (laughs) it, it just became weird. Like you're performing, everybody's on mute. So it's like, you don't even really feel that energy that you feel in a real space. But on the flip side, one of the good things, I mean, I hate to say a good thing because, you know, of course, we feel terrible about all the lives that we all lost during that. But one of the benefits was a lot of us wrote a lot, you know what I mean? And we created a lot. It was almost like a forced sabbatical of sorts. Have you been able to kind of like step back on that stage in front of an audience again in the past year or so? And what was that moment like when you were able to actually finally do that after kind of being dormant for some time or only like you were saying, the having virtual performances? Yeah, um, I definitely prefer (laughs) real life, real energy that you could feel. I'm a hugger. I'm a mushy person. Like you said, connection, I guess the other word is love. So I love love. So I I love to feel that love in in a real a real uh space as opposed to a not I do believe digital spaces are real as well but I just prefer it in person so it felt great. Mm-hmm. What are some of the projects that is there anything new for you something that um you're working on now? I'm working on two books. One is a book of short stories, and one is a book of black who's. It's um, haikus, but about Black life. So it's called Black Goo. Um, oh, and then my, my book, Black Fairy Tales, was made into a play. And we did like a short run at the end of 2021. So my main focus is doing that again this mm-hmm. year. And I'm bringing it into like a 3D experience where we, we see and hear the works and have community conversations about the contents of the play. And then the Baltimore Crown Awards for this year. Yeah, that's very exciting. What are some of the categories in the Baltimore Crown Awards? What can people expect from those awards? Public Servant of the Year, Poet of the Year, MC, Producer, Promoter, uh-huh. Visual Artist, Genius, Renaissance Woman, um, Youth Artist, um, Baltimore Legends. Those are the ones that I could think of on the top yeah. of my head. And how are those awarded? How um, is there a way people can get involved in them? Mm-hmm. They will go to the website, thebaltimorescene.org. And um, so there's two rounds of votes. First is people import the names of who they think, you know, means should be considered for the categories. And you give a reason why you feel like they should be considered for the categories. And then after months of that process, then we take those names and those are the nominees. And then in this second round of the same thing where people choose out of the list of people and then say why they feel like they should be chosen. So it's a community, it's a community chosen award. Yeah, I was going to say, does it almost mean more to the people that are winning those awards that it was their own community that really chose them, their own Baltimore arts community that really chose them as deserving of these awards? Yes, absolutely. I hear that word for word all the time. Yeah, definitely. That's gotta it means be a lot to, yeah, 
I love um, I love the event. <laughs> Objectively <yeah>. speaking, <laughs> oh, I, I can imagine, um, especially because you know it, it's got to be your baby. You kind of founded it, right? <laughs> yes, but that's not the reason. It's uh, I love love. I guess as corny as that sounds, <laughs> that event is just like it's a Baltimore family reunion where I really feel you feel the love, like. That's just, you feel love and joy in the building, and it's just a beautiful energy. Mm -hmm. Lovely. And my last question that I've been asking a lot of people uh, when we talk about our city in Baltimore, what really gives you hope for the future in Baltimore? Our youth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Our youth. To see, you know I mean, from working directly with the youth and seeing how passionate they are about the city and the ideas that they have and the fire that they have like I feel very calm secure that we're good you know what I mean our future is gonna have our back (laughs) Shinya right thank you so much for joining us I appreciate it thank you again I'm so honored introducing final Fridays at the Enoch Pratt Central Library Join us the last Friday of every month for a fun after-hours event series starting May 2023. We'll host interspace activities outside normal operating hours every month. To find out what's happening this final Friday, check out pretlibrary.org. I'm Megan McCorkle, and you've been listening to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. You can follow the Pratt on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next month for another Free to Be More conversation. Thanks for listening.